some dads I'd like to invite to the platform here if they would come on up now they know who they are so uh, we're going to set up some chairs with them I think and uh, uh, we're going to have a little interview or opportunity to get to know these guys and get a sense of their sense of humor we want to uh, we want to honor our dads today but I'd also like to have some fun so we're going to have some we're going to have a little bit of a treat I hope we'll see how these guys do uh, with uh, this uh, yeah bring this on up a little bit uh, Tim Mike Clark yeah we've got microphones for everybody oh so, oh, the, the cords are only so long. I got you. Very good. Well, happy Father's Day, and welcome to uh, our Father's house. And we're in his house this morning. He's invited us here. He wants us here. May this be a great day for us. But I thought it'd be kind of fun. You know, dads do a lot of great things. And, and one of the things that, you know, we talk a lot about are dad jokes. Uh, anyone know any dad jokes? Uh, uh, yeah, so, so, so these guys are going to help me today tell some dad jokes, and I want to see how they do, how they are at their delivery. We'll go through this. But first, let's, just, let's, let's meet these guys. Let's find out who they are and tell us just a little bit about your family. Uh, go, go ahead. Mike, why don't you start? Hi, Church. Oh, is he on? There okay, you go. There we go. Um, good morning, Church. My name's Mike, for those of you that don't know me. I got my kids here with me this morning. They're all back there going to cheer me on with these dad jokes because they love it when I come up with these. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. We're grateful to have you. Okay. Who's next? <laughs> I'm Tim. Tim Coffle. Here with my family. What do you do, Tim? Tell him what you do. Finish drywall. You finish drywall, and he does a great job. He's an excellent finisher, absolutely. Thank you. I'm doing great, Tim. How are you? <laughs> My name's Clark. Uh, I've been coming to NOEFC since, uh, let's see, it was the mid-1970s when it was still over in the school. Wow. And uh, I stopped for a while. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. I'll let you know when it goes too long. Yeah. In 1997, before my wife and I got married, we started coming here. We were looking for a place to come that we thought we both would uh, uh, find the most uh, spiritual help from, I guess you'd call it. I don't know. We just didn't want to start our marriage off on the wrong foot. And we came here, and it's been wonderful ever since. So 20 some years now, someday we're going to join me. <laughs> we do like the place. And that, that's enough. <laughs> Great to see you, Clark. Thanks for helping out. Now, I put these guys on the spot. They didn't know they were coming in this morning. They didn't know they were going to be up front here. But I asked them if they'd help me. So they're just going to kind of give us some random dad day, uh, dad jokes. And we're just going to enjoy it, okay? So. Uh, we'll start, we'll go one at a time, one, one joke at a time, and we'll just, just take it in. Take some time, delivery's important, pauses are important, we'll go from there, okay? Everybody listen up. Okay, Mike. All right, first one. So, as you all know, last week we had some pretty rough storms that blew through. Uh, storm blew off 20% of my, the roof on my house. Now it's just an oof. <laughs> 
It was supposed to be 25%. It makes a little more sense than, but you said 20, but that's okay, you know. Delivery is important. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of elevator music. It's wrong on so many levels. <laughs> well, I like that, Jim. I thought that was good. Before my joke, I'd like to apologize to John and Stacy Bush. Ever since I walked in here and Pastor Jeff gave me this thing and he said I was going to have to be up here, I've been so mortified and terrified that when I said good morning to me, I just went, yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry about that, guys. All right. Of all the inventions of the last 100 years, the dry erase board has got to be the most remarkable. Mm. Yeah, very good. So, in order to stand out at work, you got to be one of the best employees. You got to make everyone realize that you're good at what you do. So every time I go to work, I hide. You know, a good employee is hard to find. <laughs> My wife says I have two major flaws. First, I don't listen, and something else. <laughs> I have one from Pastor Jeff. Oh, let's see. Knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting cow. Interrupting cow. <laughs> that is not on the paper. Yeah. That is not on the paper. You said I had to do one that required timing. <laughs> So I'm going to go off, off of Tim's here a little bit with the whole wife thing. My wife said to me, you really have no sense of direction, do you? I said, uh, where did that come from? <laughs> All right, last one. I got to pick out a good one here. Good luck with that. I don't know who wrote these things. <laughs> well, you know, they're not making 12 inches, 12 inch rulers any longer. I did not know that. <laughs> so how long, how long are they? Okay. All right, on a serious note, a friend of mine was uh, kidnapped by a group of mimes. They did unspeakable things to him. <laughs> you want a bonus? Can you guys do a bonus round? Yeah, that, you, you guys are pretty good. I'm pretty proud of you. Yeah, yeah, want a bonus? We'll do one. Pick out one more. Are you going longer then? Or? Yeah, I'm going to go sure. long as long as I want. Yeah, right. that, that, right. yeah. Let's make this quick. All right, uh, real quick. So I got fired from my from the bank today. Keep keep your microphone up. Yeah. Uh, I got fired from the bank today. A woman asked me to check her balance, so I pushed her. <laughs> I showed my friend my tool shed, and I pointed to my ladder, and I said, "That's my step ladder." I never knew my real ladder. 
now, don't take this personally, Diana. Uh, last night, I handed my wife a glue stick instead of the chapstick. She still hasn't talked to me. <laughs> okay, let's give these guys a hand. That's right. I got some, some uh, Dairy Queen gift cards for you guys. Thank you for helping me out this morning. God bless you, you all. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I don't know. They, they missed a couple of my favorite ones here. Let me just, because uh, while we're on a roll. Uh, uh, now, this was, uh, this is one of my favorites. Uh, I started telling everybody about the benefits of eating dry grapes. It's about raising awareness. <laughs> uh, an invisible man marries an invisible woman. Their kids were nothing to look at either. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's see. Oh, I kept wondering uh, why the be baseball kept getting bigger. Then it hit me that, uh, yeah, yeah, so we could go on and on. I've got pages and pages of these things, so thanks, guys. Really appreciate your, your helping me this morning. We want to honor our dads. Dads, yeah, this morning, would you, yeah, absolutely, give, them, give all our fathers a hand. We appreciate them. Why don't we stand? Yeah, why don't you stand there? I want to bless you. I want to pray for you right now. Would you just bow with me? Let's go before our Heavenly Father. Dear Jesus, it's good to be in your house, in this place that you've invited us to. And Lord, we are not strangers, but we are part of the family because Jesus has made that space for us. We thank you, Lord, as we come into this place. That we have the privilege of talking about what it is to be a man after God's heart. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to form these men into the kind of men that would be examples of faithfulness, integrity, love, compassion, mercy. Not perfect, because, Lord, that alone belongs to you. But, Lord, that you are perfecting us. You would continue that process of making us more like your son, Jesus Christ. We bless these men. We thank you, Lord, for who they are and what they teach us every day. Keep them, Lord, on that path to being conformed into your image. And bless them, Lord, in this day and age when fatherhood, manhood is under attack. Lord, may we be a beacon of light and hope as we study your word, as we encounter its truth. Lord, allow us as men to... Uh, to uh, be, be people who declare the, the full gospel, the freedom in Christ, the joy of knowing and walking with you. Lord, I pray this morning for your church. I pray, Lord, for our families. I pray for our nation. I pray, Lord, that we might hear your word today and receive all the benefits and beauty of it. And now would you pray with me the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Thank you. You can be seated. 
I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Book of Romans, chapter 8, and we're going to begin here with verse 14 and read down through verse 17. And as we open this, I'll invite you to stand in deference to the Lord's word. I'm going to begin here with verse 14. Here, Romans 8, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church. This is God's word for us today. He says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. May God add his blessing to that word. You can be seated. You know, it occurs to me this morning as we enter into this place that there is an audacity on this day that we call God our Father. Are you kidding me? If we call God, God, uh, we're speaking the truth. If I call God, Lord, I am speaking submissively. If I call God, King, well, I'm speaking to him as a subject, acknowledging his royalty, his majesty, his power. But if I dare to call God my Father, how brazen. A chutzpah that is almost shocking. This familiarity and intimacy, at least at first blush. You dare to call the master of the universe this morning in this very place, Father. You dare to call the one who, 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 who created heaven and hell and earth together, all the things you see in the universe, Father? You call the omnipotent one Father? Who do you think you are? You know, it is really if you think about it, difficult to imagine a more audacious act than to stand before the creator of the world and to name him Father and and really mean it, to think that that God is a loving and doting Father. It's it's shocking, really. It's also exhilarating and beautiful in so many ways. But, of course, we know the secret. It's not really chutzpah. We didn't take a, 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 a liquid courage this morning to get up the courage to say those words. No, to call God Father is simply to live in the space which we know Jesus created for us. To move from residing uh, from God as an enemy and regarding him as as against us to to becoming a, a part of his family, adopted into his home, to wake up in the morning and See the father sipping a cup of coffee and saying, good morning, son, good morning, daughter. And we say, good morning, father. Our father might be just two of the most remarkable words ever spoken. Now, of course, Satan has done an amazing job, hasn't he, of of redefining and trying to tear down the idea of what it is to be a father. But the Apostle Paul here in Romans gives us a glimpse of what our Heavenly Father wants to be for us. And I'd like to study that this morning. 
And I would have you note here as we open these pages that he begins by showing us that God, in fact, is a loving father, not a controlling one. A a loving dad, not a controlling one. As Paul writes here, he, he knows that his Roman readers have some theological misconceptions he wants to deal with. They come to think of God as a slave driver, as someone who is angry, someone that they could never please. No matter what they do, it's it's not going to be good enough. So he starts off by telling us, hey, God is not this unreasonable, unpleasable father. We aren't a slave to fear. God is not someone that you need to be afraid of. God is a loving not a controlling father. But sometimes we see God that way. We have this misconception that Christianity is about following the rules. And so we see and hear the the Bible standards and many of us come quickly to the conclusion, well, I don't measure up. I can never meet God's expectations. Nothing, uh, I will never ever be good enough. Listen, I want you to hear this this morning. You are good enough because Jesus was and is good enough. That's the gospel. That is the gospel message. You passed the test because Jesus took all of your sin and God, when he looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ, the perfection of Christ, the beauty of Christ, the son, his only son. That's what he sees. I remember uh, teaching Joshua years ago to mow the lawn, and we, we have a riding lawn mower, and, and uh, Joshua's in the back, I think, doing our cameras this morning, but uh, the mower, you know, it's rather loud, and, and so giving directions is kind of cumbersome, and, and when it's running and he's going about his, his, the work there, I'm trying to give him simple directions, and, and it apparently sounds like I'm yelling at him, you know, when I'm doing this turn, 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 you know, kind of thing. The whole neighborhood is kind of getting the picture of what I'm doing, and, 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 and I'm trying to say, pay attention, keep straight. Or I, I prayed for patience once, and I didn't get it. I gave up and stopped. But as a result, you know, we found that Joshua wasn't too excited about mowing the lawn. Still isn't, to be honest with you. Uh, but that's another story. But this is what happens For a while, you work harder and harder to try to make God proud. That's what the Jews were trying to do. They were trying to to live up to the law and all of its requirements, but they never measured up. So every night, you you go to bed feeling like a failure. Every morning, you wake up, I'm going to do better today, but you always end up falling short. And so what happens? you eventually quit or you resign the relationship you rebel as an adult you have this mixture of apathy and bitterness toward your father but the bible says god is for us he's in our corner he's rooting for us we we don't have to earn his love I love the picture as Jesus begins his ministry at his baptism, God the Father says in a voice that all could hear, this is my beloved son, in him I am well pleased. 
Now, Jesus hadn't done anything yet. Jesus hadn't begun his ministry, but God was saying, I love him. He's mine. I believe in him. I love him. You don't have to earn that. At the end of his ministry, before Jesus heads to the cross, God the Father says the same thing. It's this bookend. This is my beloved son. In him I am well pleased. I believe in you. That's what God says to us this morning. Growing up, uh, growing up, I, I think about this a lot, but my dad was an athlete. He, he could do a lot, you know, on the, on the baseball field and the basketball court. He would have loved to have had a son like that. I wasn't that kind of a son. I never quite made it when it came to basketball or baseball. Now, we didn't try. I went out onto the baseball field, and, you know, I kind of always was the one praying, Lord, please don't send the ball to me. You know, don't let him hit the ball here. I, I remember Dad taking me for hours, hitting, hitting balls to me, and, and, and then pitching to me. And, and you know, it, it, it just never took. And I, I know probably if he was to share, he would say, you know, that was kind of disappointing. But he never gave me the impression that, that I had let him down. I kept trying, but it didn't work out. He was just proud of the fact that I was very good looking and <laughs> a, a, a good preacher, and I'm grateful for that. Now, maybe you had a father who was like that, or maybe you didn't, but I want you to know that you have a father like that right now. Because if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, his son, that is the way that God loves you as a father. He looks at you and he falls in love with you. You're one of his children by faith. He's not looking for a way to kick you out of the family. And if we don't see him as this loving father, then we end up responding to him by either working really hard to try to earn that love or we rebel and resign ourselves to saying, well, what's the point of trying? Now, why does God have rules? Does he? Well, if you're a parent, why do you have rules? Because you care about your kids. Just understand that. You can mark this down. Whenever God says no, Whenever we read in Scripture that we are not to be a part of this or not to be doing that, his, those are his standards, but they're not there because he wants to enslave us. No, that's not the kind of heart he has. It's not that he is trying to control us, but it is, in fact, the fact because he loves us. And he wants the very best for you, and he wants the very best for me. Psalm 145, verse 9 says, The Lord is good to everyone, and his compassion, his love, is intertwined in everything he does. I want you to think about that this morning. The Apostle Paul shows us something else. That God is close. He's not a distant father. We receive the spirit of Sonship, the Bible would say, and by that spirit, we cry out, Abba, Father. 
When God comes into our lives, we view him differently. This word Abba, it's an interesting word, isn't it? It's not the formal word father. It's not even the word dad. It's the word little boys and girls would cry out when they would run to their father's arms. Dada. Daddy. It's a word that Jesus, in fact, himself used in the Garden of Gethsemane. Burdened with the knowledge of the cross before him, he cries out, Abba. Abba. Dad. Daddy. And this is what Paul says. It's not just Jesus who gets to refer to God as Abba. He says every Christian, every Christian, everyone who has put their trust in Jesus Christ, they can refer to God, the Father, as Abba because we are his sons and daughters. You see, I'm forgiven. God does not hold my sin against me. I belong to him and he loves me. A few years ago, my daughter Faith was handed a flyer from Chick-fil-A advertising a daddy-daughter date night. I don't know if they still do those things, but boy, we enjoyed it. She came up to me and, of course, with those big brown eyes, said, Daddy, how would you like to go out with me one night? Well, rarely had such a pretty girl ever asked me on such a date, and so I said, why, yes, and we made the reservation. As the story went, that afternoon, she was getting all prissied up. Mary was there helping her. Mary uh, was helping her paint her, her nails. In fact, they scratched one of them, and Faith said that, that's all right. Men don't notice those things anyway. And she told her mom, I hope he brings me flowers. It would have been nice for Mary to have told me that. I would have brought her some flowers, but that didn't happen. I'll, I'll, I should have done better. But we end up going to Chick-fil-A, Half our church was there that night. Uh, thankfully, uh, they have a carnation or a carnation and some chocolates for her. And so we sit there and we eat our chicken sandwich and drink our milkshake and get our picture with the cow. The cow's the one on the right. Uh, <laughs> now, it didn't cost me much. But as I looked at my little girl... I kept thinking to myself, there is no place I would rather be than right here. You know, faith turned 21 this week. But, it, uh, but I didn't get to be with her. She had gone off to summer camp where she is the head female counselor for Promise Camp. It's a, it's a camp where they take uh, inner city girls from Pittsburgh and bring them to camp, and for at least a week, they share the love of the father many of them don't know the love of a father but they experience that in that kind of setting so a, a few weeks back faith came up to me and again with those big brown eyes and she said dad i'd like us to take a trip together just you and me and her mom said she didn't say anything she she wasn't saying no and i quite frankly i'm always up for a trip so uh, we went out west, and uh, one of the places we visited was the Grand Canyon. Now, that's the canyon in the back. Uh, <laughs> we, we saw some shows, talked about boys, ate more than we should have, uh, spent some time at the pool. 
but I wouldn't trade that trip for anything in the world. Being with my little girl, it's just special. And now, hard to believe, she's 21. Now, I think about this. If I am that way with my little girl, how much more is God like that with us? Because I, when it comes to love, I'm, I still have to figure all that out. But God loves perfectly. He's close. He's not a distant father. And he never forgets the flowers. Max Lucado wrote, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If God had a wallet, your photograph would be in it. And he sends you flowers every spring. He gives you the sunrise every morning. And whenever you want to talk, he's willing to listen. He could live in any place in the entire universe, but he chooses to reside in your heart. Face it, friend. He's crazy about you. Now, the Apostle Paul goes on. There's more. He's our Father. And God as Father is affirming us, not rejecting us. I, I notice the way Paul puts it here. He says, the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. God doesn't want there to be any doubt of where we stand with him. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit we've been talking about over these last several weeks, the Spirit comes and he begins to work in our lives and he assures us of that relationship. He reminds us of what Jesus has done. He takes us to the Word and, 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 and kindles a fire in that relationship. He's not the kind of parent you have to walk on eggshells around because you're not sure what's going to set him off. God is a father that is constantly affirming his love for you. We are adopted, Paul says. And that is really great and powerful if you think about it. A teacher of a class of first graders was discussing adoption. And one little girl raised her hand and said, I can tell you what adoption is. And the teacher said, well, go right ahead. And she said, well, I'm adopted and my mom explained it to me. She said, it's when the baby grows in your heart instead of your tummy. I think that's a pretty good description. God the Father has had you growing in his heart for years and years. Think about this. When I was born, my parents didn't choose me. They couldn't ask to see another model. They couldn't send me back. I was not selected from a lot. I was summing through my notes from an old sermon, and I remembered one night when I was talking to Faith, and I said to her, Faith, if I could line up all the six-year-old girls in the whole world, and I could only choose one, I would choose you. And she said, Dad, I'm seven. He said, oh, okay, well, if I could line up all the seven-year-old girls in the whole world and could only choose just one, I would choose you. And, of course, uh, 
She rolls her eyes. She's not real sentimental. She said, Dad, you have to say that. If you didn't choose me, they would make you take me because I'm your daughter. And she was right. They would have had to make me take her. So I asked Faith, if they lined up all the dads in the whole world and you could only choose one, would you choose me? Waiting. Her eyes look into space and I wonder what she's imagining and this is what she says and this is how she says it. I guess, you know. <laughs> she's so much like her mother. I mean, in that way, I'm gonna tell you. But that word adoption, think of the power of that. Adoption doesn't happen by accident. Nobody adopts by accident. It's not forced. It's not required. If you're adopted, you're chosen. You're wanted. You're loved. That's what God has done for us. He, he knew all of our bad habits. He knew all of the mess that we could make of our lives. He knew all the bad decisions we could make. But he says, I choose you. I love you. And so now we have the benefit of being a part of his family through faith. Now Paul tells us something else. He also says that God is a giving father, not a withholding one. I love how he puts it here. He says, now if we are children, then we are heirs. Think about that. Heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Fred Craddock uh, was a professor at Asbury Seminary years ago and became a, quite a popular preacher and seminary teacher. He tells the story, however, of when he went to visit Gatlinburg, uh, Tennessee. He and his wife were looking forward to a quiet evening in the uh, restaurant, just sharing some dinner together. However, uh, suddenly they see a distinguished-looking white-haired gentleman kind of working the tables and he's going around shaking hands with people and the like and Craddock says to his wife, boy, I hope he doesn't come over here. I just hope we can have a meal in peace. But sure enough, the, the guy has worked his way over to that table and there they are uh, waiting for food and he said, well, where are you guys from? And Craddock said, well, we're from Oklahoma. He said, splendid state. I've never been there, but I've heard some great things about it. He said, well, what do you do for a living? And Craddock thought, well, this will get him. This will shut him up. I teach people how to preach. He thought, he's not going to have anything more to do with me. And preachers know that feeling. Once you announce that you're a pastor or a preacher, people just find a way to get out of your way. But, but the guy, to his surprise, grabbed a chair, pulled it over, and sat down at the table and said, preacher, I've got a story I want to share with you. And Craddock was thinking, well, oh, this is great. Another preacher's story. I've never heard one of these before. But the man began. He said, you know, I was born in the mountains just over there when I was born. Uh, my mom wasn't married. It was pretty rough. People could be pretty cruel to me, especially in those days. 
back when I was in school at recess and lunchtime, just to get away from the taunts and the remarks that people would say, I'd go off all by myself because they had a name they called me. It described my illegitimate birth. It didn't get much better on Saturdays when I'd go downtown. I knew that everybody would be looking at me. I'd go into the movies, and they'd just stare at me. It was as if everybody was speculating. I wonder who his dad is. And they would look at my face and try to size me up. It always made me so uncomfortable. But I'll never forget, when I was 12 years old, there was a new preacher who came to our church. When I went to the church, I, I would just go in late and I would leave early so that I would never have to talk to the preacher or for that matter, anybody else. I was so embarrassed and I always was on the edge because of my heritage. But one day, the benediction came up all of a sudden. It was so abrupt, I found myself just caught up in the crowd and I couldn't get out quick enough. And there I was in the midst of everyone when all of a sudden I found myself at the door and there was the new preacher. I, I felt this heavy hand on my shoulder and he looked at me and he said, whose boy are you? Whose son are you? And I thought, oh my. Now the preacher is going to be just like everybody else. He said, I began to tremble, and I couldn't say anything, and it felt like every eye in that room was on me in that moment. And then all of a sudden, a smile crept across the preacher's face, and he said, I know who you are. I see the family resemblance. You are a child of God. God is your daddy. And he slapped me on the back and he said, boy, go and claim your inheritance. He looked at Craddock and he said, that one single sentence changed my life. Then he shook their hands, he got up and he walked away and Craddock thought for a moment and he began to put some things together and he realized something. He realized he had just been talking to the governor of Tennessee. Now, I say all that, that's great, governor and all, but if you're a Christian this morning, you're son of the Almighty Father, royalty, in fact. You belong to God. Why? Because of Jesus and what he did for you. God is your father today. Let him know that you love him this morning and let him love you on this Father's Day. Can we pray together? Father, I thank you. What a privilege it is to be able to call you Father. Some of us had godly fathers. Some of us didn't. Some of us may not even have known our fathers. Some have maybe lost their fathers even recently I've talked to two today and I know this is a bittersweet moment but God here we are in your presence and we're just amazed when we really understand how much you love us thank you and we want to love you back 
we rejoice in what Jesus has done. We know that without his sacrifice on the cross, there was no hope. But because he died and rose again, you do not hold our sins against us. That stain which was crimson has been washed away. We are as white as snow before you. Lord, cover us therefore in your majesty and grace. Help us to know the significance of who you are and the, the joy of being your child today. And may we honor you and worship you and celebrate you because you are our Father. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.